0: This meeting is being recorded.
1: Welcome to Wit and Wisdom on Wednesday with Katie, Ziz, and our special guest, Marissa Senzaki. Ziz, what are we talking about today?
2: Well, today we have such an interesting topic. You can talk about it in so many different ways. Some people might talk about it in a small way, small, and some people might talk it in a big way, purposely doing this, people, small big so how do you sell yourself marissa and or katie when you present yourself do you show up in your big authentic self or do you undersell yourself
0: i definitely have a habit of underselling myself i think it's something that i've learned over the years to try to be more comfortable with but i definitely still struggle with it because in the back of my mind I don't want to sound arrogant um and I think that's something that also like women struggle with a lot too is this need to kind of like play it small around other people
1: yeah and then there's the pendulum shifts the other way as a woman where you like get this sort of, I I hate to say fake it till you make it because even people that don't use that phrase with the best intentions, like help you to like really punch yourself up. So now you're not. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, when you start asking questions and like really getting under the hood, Oh shit, you kind of oversold yourself there. And so it's like, there's these two ends. And then as a woman, you kind of feel like, where's, where's the authentic middle ground? Um, How do I actually show up authentically?
2: (laughs) So so here's what's interesting, before we really get there, when you say underselling yourself, what do you actually mean?
1: Mm. Marissa, what does it mean for you when you undersell yourself?
0: Um, I think I communicate maybe sort of the bare minimum of my accomplishments or like what I do. And I, I'm thinking mostly in respect to like the career field. Like if I'm networking or I'm um, talking to someone about my job or what it is I've done, I might not jump into kind of like the name brand companies I've worked at or um, the big things that I've done internationally. I'll just start off with like, Oh, I, I'm in recruiting or I'm a recruiter. And that because I I guess I guess I don't want to ramble or <laughs> say too much. But um yeah, I don't know what really holds me back from just kind of jumping into more of a, a a pitch and having that talk up front. I think I kind of wait for people to ask me questions or to feel like I'm being invited to take up that space. Maybe.
1: Yeah. So I relate to the, um, not listing accomplishments. Like it, I, I relate to the pendulum. I'm either going to show up and I'm going to word vomit and like drop things. And then I'll drop a qualifier. Like I'm really not that important as I'm telling people, like I book a few weeks out in advance. Like, and I'm like, it's like pre qualifiers. So they don't, cause I don't want to sound arrogant. Um, I have a, a book on um, Native wisdom uh, from Native American teachings, and one of them talks about who are we to deny the gifts our Creator has given us. And so I authentically am really more about, I want to just talk about the gifts I have. And that has been an area I think that typically, even when someone's complimenting me, like they may as well tell me I'm doing something terrible because. I love that, but I also, um, you know, I, I, it feels uncomfortable to hear that. So I think that's also why I underplay myself as well. And also who cares about my list of accomplishments? (laughs) Like, yeah, do I really want to, you know, show all that or does that matter? And I think the problem is that it does for some people and those aren't people probably for me in regards to who I want to sell myself to anyway. (laughs)
2: Ooh, this is so juicy. It's so interesting to see how you went back around. And and it's interesting because what you both have said, now there's a flip side to this from the male perspective or what men tend to do. Oh, yeah, I did this. And they may not have done it. (laughs) That's the part that's so, that's the part that's so killer. They may not have done it, whereas you two have done it and you don't share it.
1: And so for, and where I sit, like, I feel like, so Marissa has done it and I have gotten to like somewhat like participate in different things. So Marissa and I, you know, one of the ways that we overcame our struggle to talk about ourselves in a big way was we wrote each other's bios and it's really fun to see like how Marissa led with how she would talk to me about someone. It was very authentic for me, that first sentence that she wrote. And um, and I'll tell you what, when I talked about Marissa, I name dropped all the things.
2: <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. But
1: I don't really feel like I have. Well, Marissa has some great impressive things to name drop. She's really built some amazing things. And I really see myself as that leader behind. I can I've definitely a leader in the field. Yes, I've launched companies. I brought people together. I can leverage talent. I'm not trying to underplay that. But where I feel most comfortable, so I'm a coach, I love being in that place. And Marissa's been that as well for these companies, but in a really big way, you know, to go to a foreign country and launch an entire, um, like branch and recruit and like develop, like that's a really impressive thing to tell people. And it's a reminder that I could share that same story and spin it, um, I, you know, it, it's, and then why do I feel like it's small just because no one's heard of my company and everyone's heard of Marissa's? I think that's something else for us too. That's a status perception that we have in our limbic system. If I'm going to drink my own medicine on the scarf model there.
2: <laughs> Marissa, as you hear Katie mention these things, talking about launching a company and and doing some magnificent things where people would know the brand names. What does it feel like in your body right now? Um,
0: I would say like a a sense of feeling proud that like, yes, I did accomplish these things. It was, you know, I came in as Slack's first like HR person, built the recruiting team and the HR function up. And um, when we were growing really quickly, we somehow got labeled as like the fastest growing B2B SaaS company um, so far. And so that's something that I never really like led with except for one time I do have a funny story in Australia when I was networking and some guy came up to me and he was trying to ask me how he could help me because he did all these different great things and he could give me connections and he could help me network and he's like oh what can I do for you and I was so over the conversation so I just told him um nothing I, I was the first recruiter at Slack and grew it from under 50 to almost a thousand people in less than three years. And it's the fastest growing B2B company so far. And he just took a sip of his drink and then walked away and did not say a single thing. And so sometimes I'm just like, boom, boom. (laughs) like sometimes you have to like pull out that side that feels a little bit arrogant and cocky and just say it.
1: I love that. I would have deflected with some type of humor, like, "Um, you can make my mom come back because she died," like, and then I would walk away. Like, so I love that we both go for the mic drop moments when we're ready to get out of a conversation. I just wanted to notice that for us, um, and that also points, I think, to what I tend to over maybe value a little more for myself is like that lived experience, um, and so Noah, if you, my resume, look, all of our resumes can look however we want them to look. Um, but there's also this lived experience that gives us that real value and, um, being able to talk about that or just show up with that. I just, I want that to do the talking for me. I think, you know, the authenticity for me is more of, um, if you're drawn to me, if there's something interesting that you want to have a conversation and vice versa, like, let's do it. I don't know that, um, I really want to sell myself, which is probably why I don't talk about myself in that way.
2: What's interesting is from a communication standpoint, and when you mentioned like lived experience, and that's what you want to hear. So I think we are all in situations where you might be at a dinner party, or you might be at a networking event, or you're at some other type of event, different audiences, and you may say three different things, or you may say the same thing. I, I know for me personally, I don't have an elevator pitch. I, it depends on what's actually happening in the moment. And that's what I'll say. And sometimes I don't say anything at all. Um, like, so there's a football behind me, you know, having played football at the professional level, I typically never even mention it. I typically don't talk about it at all. So I understand where you're both, what you're both are talking about, underselling yourself, Um, And I would much rather have someone else be, hey, yeah, he did this or he did that. Or I would be, Marissa is awesome because she's capable of doing boom, boom, boom. Katie does boom, boom, boom. I love being that cheerleader for others. Um, So I get a little uncomfortable myself. So I wanted to hear your perspective. And I also know when I hear someone beating their chest, I'm like, shut up. (laughs) I don't want to hear it. It's not that interesting,
0: yeah, that's refreshing to hear you say that um, you can relate to that. What do you think leads the people who have to lead with their accolades or like present a list to you before they're even just trying to get to know you as a human?
2: Um, my thought would be, especially so I'd be looking at their body language and and, and actually reading whether or not they f- really feel what they're saying or they that's what they're leading with because they really are insecure about what it is. Um, about themselves. And that's what I think what happens is people project what it is that you think you want to know about them, but that's not who they really are. And
1: that's what all the exercises are, right? Let's define your niche. Let's get your elevator pitch. Let's get what what, you got to speak to them as an audience, not to you. I think that's the part that's so hard for me. You know, as you're talking, what's coming up for me is like, if I was to pitch myself, I would just start introducing myself and saying, hi, my name's Katie. I'm really good at helping other people make money. If you want to look at my resume, I'm happy to show it to you. But like, I have a track record of being really, really good at helping other people strategically plan to make money. Would you like my help?
2: And Katie, when you said that, when you said that I'm really good at helping other people make money, it was clear. It was concise. Yeah. And you could hear the confidence.
1: But no one knows what I do after that. And I think that's actually what feels authentic. You want We oh, want to know how I do that? Awesome. Here. Like, And then they're going to ask me for my card and I'm going to authentically not have one. <laughs> You know, is there another wallet somewhere? <laughs> Actually, they're in a checkout box somewhere. I have to reorder them. I'm out. But Marissa, as you're sitting here absorbing all your awesomeness and reminiscing, like what's coming up for you of like, if you had to bottom line it as one sentence, here's what I'm amazing at. I'm oh,
0: really- it's, it's a tough question because I feel like this is really what's been on my mind probably in the last few weeks as I'm like taking on different kind of, um, projects with people and they're all different, whether it's like career coaching or consulting a startup, um, or trying to figure out something that we can do with the podcast. I think for me, it's, um, I just lead with my intuition and help people.
1: Yes. And your intuition is so good. And you know, so many people, she's a two forces. So that four line like yours, she knows a lot, the right people are always brought to her. Hence why she was the fastest growing B2B in her career. Um, if I were to rewrite mine now, cause you know, I'm all about reviting and revising. I would say that I'm really good at helping bringing people abundance and prosperity. Um, that really encompasses all of it because if you're, you know, in a company, like, yeah, I can help you be a high performer, but really what I'm helping you do is be more abundant and prosperous in your life. And that's a whole person approach. Um, so I love the way that you bottom line that. Yeah. Marissa's intuition is very good. And so, so is her Rolodex.
2: So you you both mentioned the rewriting your bio. So why don't you go through the details of the exercise so people who are listening can actually do it
1: themselves. Yeah. So find your business bestie that you think is just has something that you would love to have. I have no idea why Marissa thought that I would have something that she would want, but um, I, I can tell you all the things about Marissa that oh. <laughs> I thought would be great she trusted um, she her intuition she, she did and her intuition said this woman is gonna help me I don't know um so I uh, she sent me what she's written about herself and I sent her what I've written about myself and um What's
2: the exercise? tell us the exercise how do you do it
1: so I'm telling you that so you send each other your stuff that you've written so every woman has written like 18 iterations of their their bio <laughs> Um, and then we followed a pretty simple format. It was three paragraphs each. We didn't have this conversation, by the way, we gave each other, no like restrictions, just like, here it is like do something. And when we read each other's like, we kind of came back with a very similar, like flow. Um, I would say in a way. So Marissa introduced me as someone that works with, um, executives and leaders in tech. And, uh, I'm like, that is who I work with. But I, I like Marissa, I'm like, but I work with so many different people in so many different capacities. Um, and I led with Marissa's passion for, um, relationships and, um, workplace safety. It's like, uh, I forget what I said, if I'm being honest, but, but,
2: just, but um, as far as the exercise goes, let's, let's really, con, let's, let's really, yeah. really super concise in telling people what the That's exercise it. is. You just.
1: Send your 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 bio to your person that you okay. that you trust to write about you.
2: And send bio to each other. Yeah, too. and then
1: you rewrite you rewrite their bio and you talk about your business bestie, your friend, as if they're the most you know, as everything you know about them. And what's interesting about the exercise is that we do highlight a little bit of each other's like essence outside of just the um, list of things that they've done. Marissa, would you explain it in a different way (laughs) or? or I think that's kind of like where it led up to, but it
0: happened very organically. So we were already kind of having weekly calls and coaching each other on different things. And so um, I kind of got an idea of what I thought um, maybe were some of the the blocks for Katie in underselling herself and saying, I wanna work with like CEOs and executives and I'm enjoying the tech space but I don't know if that's really me. Um, and so kind of like pulling apart those things that she was hesitant to really showcase. Um, I think one of the things that I, I noticed and called out um, early on in the different versions of the bio cause you had several different you sent me um, was that you led with, you are an educator and that being kind of like your background and something that um, informs the way you lead your coaching. I challenged Katie and when I rewrote it to say lead with the fact that you are, as you always say, a strategic partner to these tech executives, and then go into how being an educator um, has informed the way that you coach in educating other people by taking the wisdom that you have and teaching them these different toolkits. And so I think it helped to like, have these conversations leading up where we both could kind of see, okay, what are we kind of afraid to cast a light on and brag about? And how do we maybe see like how someone else would talk about you from a different perspective?
2: So it's good to have a business bestie who would understand the context and the journey that you've been on. So that way Mm -hmm. they could go, okay, I can see the gaps or I can see the blind spot that you were not talking about. So it might not be the first thing you do. It might be like the second or third thing you do. But ideally... What you're leading up to is how to share each other's passionate strength. And, and well, we started off with underselling ourselves, but no longer are we going to undersell ourselves. We're going to show up fully being ourselves. And when you yeah. do that, powerful things happen.
1: And I do think of the reframe for myself around selling. So I I won't ever under oversell. I'm just not going to sell myself anymore. Um, the way I speak about myself though. Um, so Marissa did give me that challenge. I I did make some shifts, but I just said for reason I was like experienced executive coach. Like for some, I would have never gotten to, I work with executives and leaders. Like I would have just never gotten there. And I told her that in a text message. I was like, I just don't see myself having been able to get there, even though it's literally what I do every day.
2: So what it's interesting to me, it's and and this has been a word that's popped up. And I think Katie and I have talked about it before, is this word called imposter syndrome, which I understand what it means, but it doesn't make any sense to me. And here's why it doesn't make, and when I say it doesn't make sense, I understand the meaning of the word or the phrase. But we I also look at it as it's a limited mindset, so to speak, and that's what we tend to focus on, and that's what we're projecting versus what we're already doing. And we, Marissa and I both already know what Katie's doing, is tremendous work with individuals who are executives, but wasn't claiming it. So the focus was somewhere else versus on what she was actually doing. So that's why that term I'm not a big fan of. And you might see some LinkedIn piece, me writing about it at some point.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I have a magic wand for imposter syndrome too, and Uh, when I originally wrote that bio, I had waived that one for myself. And I'm like, these are all the things that make me great because I'm not a corporate. I was never an SVP or a VP or a corporate director. I did have a director title once, which makes me sound fancy. I remember, by the way, telling my friends, I got this job as director of development. And she said, oh, that's a fancy title. I'm like, my title before was CEO. (laughs) <laughs> was running the company as executive director in the nonprofit, but like, that's just the status perception in corporate, right. Is these. So I think the claiming almost of the educator, when I first did that exercise was very much of like, these are the things that I mean, look, I'm, I'm not, and, and I do have people that they always say, well, all the other coaches checked the like boxes, like they have the right experience, um, and they still choose me, and it was almost like a way of just if you're coming to my direction, you're not doing it because you think you can replicate who I am. You're doing it because you really do want the 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 stuff I bring to the table. But um, so so for me, it was not even um, it didn't feel like an imposter so much as I guess I was thinking about what I do, not who I serve. And so even Marissa, if you think about it from that place of who you've always served and like worked directly with. You, know, you work with CEOs of startups. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it did take you saying
0: that to me to then go back in my head and go, okay, wait, no, I have reported directly to CEOs. I have had CEOs ask me to advise them.
1: Of course I do,
0: right? Like, but yeah. I don't know. Because I've, I've never had each whatever title.
1: Yeah. I asked them for money, like the the hardest thing to possibly do. And somehow I was like, oh no, I, I never reported into one. No, I didn't. But I did take them to dinner and ask them for money. <laughs> so kind of the same thing. Um, so as we wrap up our wit and wisdom on, uh, not, on not selling ourselves, that's my new pledge. I'm no longer going to sell myself, but I am going to speak about myself and, um, in a way that conveys what it is I do, um, I think.
2: Yeah, what's a, what, what is a powerful way of saying that? Like sharing yourself, sharing your, like how would you say it if you had to? I'm I sorry.
0: like what you you said about claiming it because I think it that to me feels like, yes, I already have this, I already embody it, but why am I not like raising my hand and speaking up and, and claiming it? And it should be that easy just to be like, yes, that's me.
1: Yeah, even like identifying as a CEO of a company, um, you know, I think that is something that Marissa also struggled to claim. It's like, yeah, of course, like you've, (laughs) of course you are. Um, And I think the other thing I really learned from this exercise uh, is that the good stuff that we want to talk about ourselves, we bury in like the middle (laughs) and the end. Like Marissa had a lot of her really good stuff at the bottom. And um, in the bit, like in the LinkedIn rules of writing, and like all that stuff, we all sound the darn same, and right? It's <laughs> like, no I room. do this no for this, yeah. for this, like, I break, work
2: break with rules. break the
1: rules. Yeah. And it's, so it's, it's a good exercise as well to notice that all the meat that you end up pulling out of each other's bios was actually buried. And we know that you can't bury the lead, right? You got to put the, you got to lead with the lead. (laughs) That's what the people want.
2: Well, I I think it's what, what I think is really important from the exercise and, and you sharing it with us is having a reflection, someone who sees you and how they see you and how you show up. Yeah. So. And then you can claim that over time.
1: And since I just thought about you, you know, you have always claimed your NFL alum um, and you were the one that told me that I should claim my NCAA athlete. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I played D2. Am I really an NCAA? Of course I'm an NCAA athlete. They gave me money. When they give you money, you get to claim that. Um, and even if they don't, you still get to claim it because you played and uh, your blood, sweat and tears went into it. Uh, and doing that has made a difference because people people like, oh, I, I'm an athlete. I want an athlete mindset. I want to work with someone that's an athlete. So sometimes we just forget that the things that we've just done are actually other someone else's accomplishment, right? When I go to the gym, there's somebody that has the body I want and there's someone looking at me and they want mine. Like it's kind of crazy how we work that way.
2: It builds rapport. That's that's what I found. And it's a connecting point. So sometimes we forget all of those connecting points and to me, when I think about LinkedIn, I'm like, if somebody's sharing, you're like, and look at it and like, oh, wow, if I interview at this company, or if I meet this person, or if I meet this person, hear all of the different intersecting points that might come up in a conversation, or I can make sure it comes up in a conversation. So I look at it as, as really opportunities to build relationship. And I know from my strengths, that's what I start with. And I don't have to think about that. I just naturally do it. And, um, so the exercise for me, I'm so glad that you both shared it. Cause I think it's super important to do. And how often would you recommend one do this exercise? Is it every twice, twice a year, once a year, like just, just curious.
1: I love that you question. Cause this is such an organic thing that happened for us where I literally, I think I blurted out. I'm like, do you want to write each other's bios? Because I. Because I was not holding myself accountable, like neither, you know, like I'm like I will do it for you, Marissa, but I won't do it for myself. Like, <laughs> um, at the same time, I also want to note that Marissa and I both have um, clients. We both uh, are doing work with the same crappy bios that we already had. Um, so I don't know that this is necessarily. Um, you know, I like to think that the next time my bio gets a revamp it's because I'm paying some publicist to do something for me. Um, I don't know what your take is on it, Marissa, but I'm also happy to do it again.
0: I'd probably look at it once a year, or if there's any like major career changes or progressions. Um, like the the stuff that I showed you was something that was copy that someone put on their website for um, a friend that I'm consulting with. and that was taken from before where I had a friend who did PR look at it. So yeah, it just, there's always like evolution. Evolution. To
1: it. so, see. Yeah. It's a rewrite. It's a revise. And, you know, maybe next time I would just say, Hey Marissa, you've, it's been a couple of years. We take a look at my bio. Tell me what you think. Maybe I'll ask someone else. Maybe, you know, I think we have such great resources. Um, Marissa was in HR and recruiting. This is why her opinion was valuable to me. And, uh, so there, there's always different people that you can reach out to like different, you know, now she has the bias because she's done it once. So if you were to do the exercise again, it's always, she's got the inside knowledge, but she's also got a bias and vice versa. So yeah, evolution rewrites, rewrites, re, re, um, revise, and then there's sometimes revives. Like sometimes we just have to revive some of the old stuff that we said about ourselves like 10 years ago, right? Like if I was 24 writing my bio, I would sure as shit would have talked about being an NCAA player. So it's almost like you got to go back in time and be like, how did I talk about myself back then? Maybe I should talk about myself like that again. Cool. Yeah. Anything, anything else that anybody wants to leave us with on authenticity? Ooh, I have one more thought. You know, we talk about playing big um, I do think that playing big does not look like playing to sell. You know, playing big looks like being limited, being limited edition, uh, playing big looks like being authentic with how you show up. And so if you show up to, to networking and you don't feel like selling yourself, um, because you feel like playing big, you know, um, I think my opening with or just talking about your elevator pitch in a way that feels like whatever the room needs to hear that day looks to me like playing big. If I'm really playing big, then I don't need to sell myself to people in a room um, they are going to find me. And, you know, I'm a researcher. So if someone's interesting, I'm going to look up their LinkedIn. Sometimes I've done that. And I've been like, Oh shit, that person's really important.
2: <laughs> you know what? So can I, can I illustrate, can I make a point with that? Um, this was several years ago and I'm at someone's house who's a personal friend who happens to be uh, at the time retired professional athlete so at this party there's a quite a few retired professional athletes along with someone from sports illustrated and someone from here and someone from so it was interesting one person from sports illustrated who's a big name I'm not going to say the name and was like oh where is someone so I said oh you mean and I said the person's name and. He's like, well, who are you? Like what? And I didn't, I just pretended like I was the help. <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden, so somehow someone found that oh well he played. And when someone found that, oh, he played football too. The vibe changed around me. I didn't change. Well, I pretended not necessarily, I didn't really pretend to be the help. I just was listening more than than anything else because I, I was just observing. And and it's interesting how people. Respond versus what when when they know different things about you. So, um, Katie knows this about me. I like to goof around. I like to play, especially like with the color of my skin. The permanent tan man—that's how I refer to myself. I think it's hilarious. But some people they get a, they get a laugh out of it. Um, obviously, it's it's you know in the world in which we live today, it's a, it could be a serious subject. But I, I like to make fun of things because I think. We're too serious. We need to have more fun. That's how I'm ending.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Marissa, anything you, you want to add, or Millie wants to add. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Millie also wants to play and be silly all day, as <laughs> you can tell. But um, <laughs> yep, <laughs> there she goes. Um, I think playing it big also is just about like shining your light and not feeling like. I mean, you can dim it in certain certain, uh, circumstances if you want to, but not feeling like you you have to do that and being comfortable with shining a light. And if that's too bright for certain people, that's their problem.
1: Mm, I love that. Shine bright. Great wit and wisdom. Millie wants more wit and less wisdom. So Marissa, thank you for joining us today. This was fabulous. Ziz, thanks for guiding our conversation in the way that only you can. And for everyone else listening, tune in on Friday for 4.340s with Katie and Ziz. You never know who may stop by to shed some performance coaching light on things.
2: Have a great day, all.